Now, Christianity has its 13th apostle, a faithful witness to the love, mercy, and truth of Jesus Christ. How about you? Will you be the 13th apostle? Keeping the Sabbath holy, is it a day of worship or a day of rest? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the 13th Apostle, where we explore the good, the beautiful, and the true of the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. This is, once again, Thomas Caffrey with my co-host, Daniel Duddy. Dan, I'm trying to remember what you look like. It's been so long since uh, I've seen you. Uh, You wouldn't believe how much I've changed. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I can't wait. Maybe more. I could take a photo of you and send it to me. I don't know if it'll get through my filters, but <laughs> yeah, it'll get blocked. <laughs> That's funny. I was talking to somebody, another Dan. He's in my parish, whom you know, and I know Dan. Uh, yeah, big Dan. You're a big Dan too. Uh, he's he's taller than you. Uh, hey, what? <laughs> I just said he's taller than you. That's it. You're a big, strong guy. I've uh, told I, you that. I, okay. Thank you. I could see you out of doubt. I could actually see you knocking people down to get that uh, the beam to carry for Christ. No doubt whatsoever. Wow, that's nice. That's a nice visual. Thank you. Oh, that is a good visual, actually. Yeah. You would do the same. I, I'd struggle a little bit, you know, compared to uh, you. I mean, I'd, I'd maintain the upright position, but yeah. with more difficulty than you. I know. You're talking okay. way to it. You're, uh, man, I tell you, humility just, it's effort. <laughs> it, it is effortless with you. Just, <laughs> yeah. Try it sometime. <laughs> I, I tell you, you impressed me for many reasons. That's arguably in the top three, okay? So. <laughs> okay. Your holiness is number one, okay? Well, uh, you know, I, I wasn't referring to you as the next pope. I'm just saying your holiness with lowercase. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. It was an adjective. It wasn't a noun, okay? <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Yep. All right, so Big Dan. Yeah, yeah. Big Dan. And um, uh, I was telling him, uh, we exchanged a couple of emails, actually, about a retreat coming up at, once again, at Discovery House, May 13th. And... Um, so uh, we had this exchange something about the flyer and whatnot, and I, uh, uh, I just it made me have a memory of sitting with him and this other uh, faithful Catholic man, Jeff Bruno, in my parish. And you know Jeff, of course. Sure. Jeff was giving us on that Saturday. He was going to give us a several-hour tutorial on social media, and I went to get on my Facebook account, and I couldn't. I was locked, locked out. I had no idea. Now, I hardly ever... I was going for a tutorial, which means I knew next to nothing about it. I knew how to spell Facebook, and that was it. So, and I, I couldn't get it. And so, I'm sure something happened to this day. That was years ago. To this day, I don't know why I was locked out, I think, because it was my Faith Pilgrims uh, website and an account that was blocked, locked out. And so, I'm sure I know why. You know, taking some stands on certain social issues and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I don't know how much uh, debate there is about how to keep this Sabbath holy. Well, I'm sure people aren't interested to have a debate, but you and I are not going to have a date. We're going to hash it out, talk about it and whatnot. 
well, I don't know. I'm not even going to guess. When you were growing up, how did you, uh, other than, and this is not, obviously, this is not to minimize it, but other than mass, if people saw you, because they wouldn't see you in church. So if other people, and this is a question for me, it's really a twofold question. It was then and now. Mm-hmm. And so how would people know, you know, if they saw how you lived throughout any given Sunday, and they're not Catholic, they're not Christian, could they tell that you kept it holy for the Lord in comparison to any given Saturday? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. It's a good discussion. I think it's going to provoke a lot of bond memories about Sundays, uh, which also exposes the fact that those Sundays have changed at least a wee bit, uh, if not a lot. So so going back to my earlier years, my childhood years, would say, we'll just say 60s mid-60s. How would others perceive that I was uh, keeping holy the Sabbath other than Mass? It's an interesting question. Firstly, I was in church clothes for the most part of the day, uh, because coming home from Mass, we would have breakfast in the house, and then uh, you know, we pretty much stayed in our church clothes. We weren't really allowed to go out the front door and go down the street and knock on doors. And part of the reasons for that were not only because we had rules regarding mass at 128 Roosevelt Drive, our home community, but because at the time we justifiably assumed that others were also keeping Holy Sunday, whether they were going to mass or not, Sunday was Sunday. There were blue laws, for example. The stores were closed or hours were minimized. The dive bar down the end of the street which was in walking distance for the men in the neighborhood, was closed. It wasn't closed, but you weren't allowed to buy packaged goods and things like that. So there was evidence that it was Sunday outside of our home as well. So moving down the road, chronologically to today, the blue laws are lifted. Uh, we don't miss mass in my house now as, as parents. And pretty much keep it the same regarding Mora and myself. The day extends into family and making it special. We have our own little traditions, Maura and I, at this late stage of our marriage where the kids are older. And I have concerns about the kids who are not going to Mass in my family because they're really missing out on that special moment, that special day of the week for all the purposes I know we're going to dig into. Mm. But we do maintain traditions because we come from that generation in the same mold, two Irish Catholic families, hers and mine. Uh, and it's fulfilling, Tom, as you know. And we're going to roll into that. Extremely fulfilling how special Sundays were. In fact, Sundays began for me Saturday night. You know, we fasted at 12 midnight, but I wasn't even up at 12 midnight when I was a youngster, but I served mass the next day. So the tradition on Sunday night was to take out my shoes and my brother Charlie, take out the shoes and polish them every Saturday night, the black shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, have our clothes laid out and things like that for mass so we really went toward it early and the day ended on sunday i think with watching disney you know which i wouldn't allow my kids to watch today but you know back in the day right right tom and it was yeah and then it was time to go to bed and it was a really good week end you know the end of the week and my father was different my mother was different there was a, a nice, peaceful, laid-back way about them. There were 
long naps by my dad and football game on in the background and it was just a whole different feel yeah go ahead yeah i think that uh you know it's interesting with the blue laws because they uh new jersey had uh blue laws uh there was like hints of the blue laws as far back as 1677 uh and because uh that there are two, actually New Jersey was divided in two. It's kind of divided into today, north and south, and I've mentioned that on the air. But this was different. It was East Jersey and West Jersey. And oh. East, East New Jersey um, had banned, passed legislation banning singing of vain songs or tunes on the Sabbath. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And uh, in fact, our Bergen County, so in the northeastern part of the state, I think they still have the blue law. I know that as of the late 20 teens, Bergen County was the only county. It's right across from the uh, George Washington Bridge uh, from New York uh, City. And they were the only uh, town in the U.S. Uh, that still had a blue law. I can see why they would want it because that county is a mess with uh, malls all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, big malls and strip malls and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, and uh, the the term blue laws apparently came from the type of paper, the color of paper that Puritans uh, uh, used uh, in that area. Oh. Era. So, uh, you know, I I knew it was Sunday. My family, my siblings and I knew it was Sunday, you know, obviously we knew it was Sunday, going to Mass and stuff like that. It was the only day we got bacon. Hey, Tom, uh, as I'm (laughs) sitting here, I'm saying, I forgot to tell Tom about the bacon. That is so funny. That must be more widespread than I thought, you know, hearing you say that. I wonder if that was pretty common. Uh, I mean, that was, you know, we were kind of peasants. You know, we didn't know what a oh, peasant gosh. was, but uh, we didn't know either. But looking back, we were, <laughs> or at least we were treated. My parents treated us like peasants. <laughs> true. I could think That's of true. some other words that I could, <laughs> especially my father. Now I'll just go as far as saying indentured servant. But um, uh, anyway, and or we got to the bakery after mass. We drive down to what yes. we call the city line, which is a line that yes. divided my hometown, South Orange, with the city of Newark. And there was a bakery there. Uh, often, uh, across the street, there was a Knights of Columbus uh, from my uh, my parish church, Our Lady of Sorrows, in South Orange, New Jersey. And uh, they had this big sloping front lawn. And uh, many, many Sundays out of the year, they would have a giant bake sale, big tent. And uh, I used to get the crumb cake, you know, with the... Like it was more crumb than cake, which is the way I like it. I'm sure that's. Uh, I just I, I just salivated. <laughs> I know. It was like an explosion of salivation <laughs> in my mouth. Go ahead. These are great memories. Go. But I yeah. think that when I was doing research for this, and I came upon something that I I I knew, but I had forgotten. Now, for the young people listening, they're almost certainly not going to know that unless they're baseball lovers of baseball, they're not going to know these names that I'm going to mention, but. Uh, Sandy Koufax, yep. right? Hall of Famer, uh, lefty, you know, uh, yep. you know the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he would not pitch on Yom Kippur. Uh, and it's funny. There's a story. There's another. His teammate, his battery. Uh, you know, I can't say battery mate. His uh, his teammate, uh, another pitcher, Hall of Famer Don Drysdale, 
This guy, he was a big, big guy. Koufax wasn't a yeah. big guy, but he just had this Get lightning short. speed, right? And a, yeah. a curveball that would, uh, if, okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you roll the ball off a kitchen table, that's how much uh, his curveball would drop to a, to a, the opposing batter. Uh, it's almost it, unhittable. He would be, he would bean you in the head too. He was pretty nasty. That was, was Drysdale. I thought they both did, but uh, uh, no, not Koufax. Yeah, Koufax was more devout than Drysdale <laughs> in a number of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Dyson was more about more devoted about beating you in the head. Exactly, yeah. He was he was the right. brawler. <laughs> He's a good cop, bad cop, but great pitchers. And yeah. uh, so Drysdale, you know, again I said Hall of Famer, but so he filled in for Kopex. And in in less than three innings he gave up seven runs. And so he said to the uh, manager of the team I bet right now you wish I was Jewish too, uh, so so he, so he wouldn't play. But I mean, there's other, these are great stories, and I know I've, uh, I've several months ago I read a story about a um, an observant Jew who wouldn't. Uh, he was a uh, I can't remember his basketball or baseball prospect who would not. This was the deal. I mean, if the, if the team was gonna if the school was gonna pick him full ride, you know, full scholarship. The deal was that he wasn't going to pl- he wasn't going to play on these high holy days. Uh, so um, I, you know, I'll, I'll give one more story. There was uh, another Hall of Famer, but for many years before Sandy Koufax, uh, Hank Greenberg, and of course he was Jewish, and uh, that uh, he some high holy days he would not play. Others, uh, I, there was one time when it was a big playoff game, uh, and he had to go. There was this. Um, conference of uh, of local rabbis <laughs> trying to, it's like in the old in the old Jewish tradition of hashing out arguments and whatnot um, uh, you know should he play can he play and blah 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 you know it was, it was great and so so some uh, some newspaper reporter wrote a poem about that about him and it says came uh, Yom Kippur holy fast day to the Jew and Hanker Greenberg to his teaching in the old tradition true spent the day among his people and didn't come to play said Murphy to Mulrooney we shall lose the game today we shall miss him on the infield and shall miss him at the bat but he's true to his religion, and I honor him for that. So I, I think a lot of people, I know I am, and I would think you are too, uh, are impressed when we experience this, this when you can see, because that's liturgy. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, you know, the public worship. That's liturgy. And, you know, in a way, when the Jew wears a yarmulke, it's like it's a public worship. It's a, it's a, it's a liturgy in a way. And... Uh, you know, you and I have talked about that on the air and off the air as to what it's like to live faith in in the culture. And I know I told you when I texted you about this doing this episode. I said it's going to convict me. I mean, I I hate the memory of bartending on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and that includes Easter. Uh, I don't know whether I did it for two years. I don't remember. But I didn't like it. Uh, you know, I needed the job. I needed the money. And uh, and so I did it. But uh, so then we get to this uh, the discussion of what what do we do to make it a holy day? I mean, not to make it a holy day, to keep it. So it is holy. We have it. We're given it by God. Uh, it's one of his commandments. And so how do we keep that day holy? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you and I are talking about 
starting the day, number one, as we should, in accordance to the third commandment, what it truly means is going to mass. So fundamentally moving moving backward toward the uh, the kickoff, putting the ball on the tee that kicks it off for game time for Sunday is that not only do we go to mass, but we understand that we're there to sacrifice, be a part of the sacrifice and not to be bored at mass and to know that we're there to give to mass. So that's that's a, really a function of not going to the basics. It's the reason why Sundays are really not you know honored in any way as they should be because we have a severe drop off in the practice of going to mass and uh you know you're you're talking to me about your convictions towards bringing it more holy and while you're saying that i'm squirming in my seat because i need to do a better job of getting my kids back to mass more and i do practice we go to church and we look forward to it and it becomes very special and you know when you sent that email that text to me about your self-convictions about elevating, you know, in, in the spirit of our of our true discipleship as brothers here, you and I, going two by two, it definitely provoked a, uh, you know, it instilled some, some evaluation of myself on what I need to do. And I couldn't get past my kids, Tom. Mm. Uh, I couldn't get, yeah, I couldn't get past the fact that it starts with mass, the beauty of the mass, and... Uh, and how I can't I can't think anymore about what it's going to do for me until unless I feel satisfied that I've secured my job as a father and gone to especially my sons as leader, leaders, providers and protectors and say, look, you got to come back. You got to step up. And then I can go back to see how I can nurture or fertilize Sunday more so for more. And I, uh, I I sit in anguish, actually, uh, many Sundays. Mm. So I myself am not really really honoring the day as I should be, you know. Uh, what do you think your children would think, especially your sons, but no, actually maybe a little bit more emphasis on your sons, but just a hair. If they came over, if they were going to say, hey, listen, Pop, we're going to come over and we'll watch the football, and, and you said, I don't, I'm not watching football anymore on Sundays. Oh, that would be powerful to them. It would, it would mean a lot. And I would have no problem saying that. And I'd have a problem doing it. But that's why they call it sacrifice. If that were to get them back to church, of course, I wouldn't say it unless I meant it. Uh, then I would, by all means, I would, by all means, do it. Let me so, tell you so wait, is that a, that's a transaction, though, right? Are you you're saying, I'll do that if this happens with them? Yes. No, okay, so it's not that you would do it be, just because of the... And I'm not I'm not pounding it because I could say something similar about myself. So you wouldn't do it because, okay, it's I've just decided I'm going to do whatever I can to make this holy for the sake of holiness. And yeah. my sake, you know, my soul... You know, I'm speaking for you. Not my sake, my soul, and, and, you know, to gift as a gift to God. And if that happens to have a, a residual effect or a, a secondary effect, a benefit of showing my children wow okay sure so i get you so what we're doing is you're you're combining the two uh those two uh concerns or options what would i do in light of my kids and what would i do yeah it's like okay god i have cancer if you my soul if you cure me of my cancer i'll never uh and i had had a a friend who said this he's dead now god rest his soul but he he said you know if you if you cure me of this cancer i'll go back to church i'll go back to mass now, so that's the transaction, uh, as opposed to him just saying, okay, I'm going to do it because I love God, and, and this is the right thing to do. We're going to keep this covenant. This is how one of the ways we manifest that uh, that covenant. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, so I could definitely 
give up football myself personally for the face value of my own soul and bringing that uh, that conviction to myself personally with the fallout, not necessarily for the fallout, the positive fallout being that my, my sons would follow firstly by going to mass. Oh, dad's giving up football. Oh my goodness. Well, I better at least get to mass. You know, uh, if I were to do it solely for myself and not say it as a, as an ultimatum to them or, Hey, I'm doing this for you. I think it's even more powerful. So I get your point. I could easily do that. I, I, I gave up football as a football coach. I gave up Sundays, which is a great preparation day for the week. And typically that is the best preparation day for your staff. And it's a film day in all other programs for your players. I made it clear for my last 10 years of head coaching, I do not want to see you guys on Sunday. I want you to go home and have a day of rest. And mm. staff, we, we will never meet on Sunday. Whatever you guys do on Sunday, that's on you. But I am never going to call for a meeting or anything regarding football on Sunday. Mm. And yeah, so, uh, and it paid off because we came back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on Monday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. At the time, Football had become vocational by the grace of God. So, uh, and I and I think, who going back to this, uh, what you just painted, this vision of giving up football for the sake of my sons indirectly. I think I think it may have brought some of our football players back to mass because that's that was quite a statement. I it may have brought our families back to mass because I would tell them we're not we never meet on Sunday because that's a day of rest and that's a day where we practice our faith by going to mass. And I would make that determination before the season, so parents knew they had Sunday off. You know, I can always testify with the impact of uh, of your work and, and the virtue program as part of the football team at, uh, at then Monsignor Donovan High School and now uh, Donovan Catholic, you know, with my son Kevin. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, I think you were the only, I don't know if you were the only one, but you had the most impact from the standpoint of him seeing another man in his life who's faithful to the church, because most of his friends, perhaps all of them, didn't have a father such as you in terms of practicing in publicly, okay? Uh, again, we're talking liturgy, you know, publicly practicing their faith. And you've heard me say numerous times that when you and I grew up, we lived in, a, and certainly being in the northeast part of New Jersey, Catholics were all around, so I grew up, I mean, I grew up right down the street from Seton Hall Preparatory School. It's now in another town, but Seton Hall High School, Seton Hall Prep High School, and then Seton Hall University. I saw all my peers at Mass. I saw all their parents at Mass, yeah. right? Yeah. My children didn't have that. And most people's children don't have that today. Let's face it, that's a rarity. That's a great point. That's a great point. So when Kevin's seeing you, it's like, okay, this is, what, even if it's subconscious, this is, okay, it's dad, and now there's coach study. Uh, and uh, so it's like I said so many times, you don't know the impact you have. And people you know, in our audience, you don't know the impact you have. What you do teaches others. And most of the time, we'll never know. Well, I'm sure we'll know in the next life, but we probably we won't know in this life, you know, who we're impacting. So. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, and I know we're running out of time, but I gave a talk this morning at Camden Catholic High School to the junior and senior uh, seniors there, mm. and, I, and, I, and I put that on them the same way, unbelievable influence that awaits them with a sheer commitment and a love for Christ and the acknowledgement that they have nothing to do with the fact that they are here, that they are created, 
and they need to step up to it just in little ways and it, it would be so powerfully influential and fulfilling for them to do so so uh yeah so we've got to commission ourselves i believe tom recommission take it to another level i know we're running out of time i was going to blindside you and ask you what your conviction might be in light of this conversation on sunday sundays yeah i've uh, i've been thinking quite a bit about that I rarely watch sports. Uh, I'm interested in that, but sports have become so political that I just uh, can't take it. Uh, so I haven't watched it in a long time. But, mm-hmm. you know, you brought it back to Christ. And in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, humankind, uh, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he told the Pharisees, and not humankind for the Sabbath, not mankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So... It's made for us, so what do we do in return? That Sabbath is a gift for us. What are we doing in return? And I would say one thing, this is true for every day, but it's more. It's truer for uh, the Sabbath, for Sunday, is what is our intent with whatever we're going to do? Do we offer it up to the Lord? If I'm busting my tail, working in the, the garden and pulling out roots and transplanting stuff like that, on Sunday, I'm not, clearly not resting. But if I offer that up to the Lord, if I say, listen, I'm, help me to glorify you, I want to glorify you by, with whatever I do. And it's like I've told you, you know, when you you asked me to pray for you when uh, you're going to give a talk or something like that. And I say, yeah, okay, whatever you do, that's your prayer. I mean, th- that's your prayer. And I think that whatever, I think the first thing we can think of is what is our intent uh, when we awaken on Sunday? And, uh, you know, we offer up ourselves to the Lord. Okay, what's the intent? Okay, what can we do? Uh, so, I know we're going off the air right now, but that right there, that last sentence, is the answer that we all need to reflect on. To be intentional on Sunday. What is our intent? Wake up to it with a gentle resolution and enjoy it and, and give it to our Lord. Okay, so does that As mean when your rest. team scores the winning touch and you say, Thank God! And that's your... <laughs> Well, I've decided, based on this conversation, I'm going to give up football in the winter, in the spring, and in the summer. All right. It's played in the fall. It's played in the fall, Tom, so that was a joke. We're going to... Uh, I, I, I'm so focused on time, I, I didn't get it right away. <laughs> I know. All right. All right, brother, what's coming up? All right, stay tuned, folks, for The Angelus and Your Prayer Intentions with Peter and Jimmy. WQPHradio.org. Thank you for your support, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it coming. We always appreciate it. God bless you, Danny. God bless you, Tom. God bless you all. We invite you to say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits, wander through the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Thirteenth Apostle with Dan Duddy and Tom Caffrey. For more information on Dan, visit his website at www.danduddy.com or email dcduddy at gmail.com. Tom's website is faithpilgrims.com or email trcaffrey at faithpilgrims.com. How about you? Will you be the 13th Apostle?